We have been dealing with the theme of living heroically. To live heroically, as we noted, heroically means admirably brave. It speaks of being admirably brave. And also it speaks of living in a determined manner, having determination. And today I want to focus on the fact that live, to live heroically or living heroically is demonstrated through devotion. Living heroically is demonstrated through devotion. There's an example of this truth in 2 Samuel chapter 23, and we're going to look at it today. 2 Samuel 23, beginning with verse 13 down to verse 17. 2 Samuel 23, verses 13 through 17. Thank you, honey. I got to stay focused. Help me, Jesus. Glory. You watching a live stream? I'm not a professional preacher. I'm just real. Just who I am. Then three of the 30 chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. Adullam. And the troop of Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done, notice, by the three mighty men. One of the main themes that speaks loudly through this passage is that of devotion. David's mighty men, referenced here, demonstrated an extreme devotion to their leader. When it comes to devotion, there are really only four types of people, as pointed out by John Maxwell. First, there are the cop-outs. These are people who have no goals and do not commit. Then you have the holdouts, people who don't know if they can reach their goals, so they're afraid to commit. Then there are the dropouts, people who start toward a goal, but they quit when the going gets tough. The fourth type of people, though, are the holdouts, or all-outs, rather. These are people who set goals and commit to them, and they pay the price to reach them, all-outs. The three men that we just read about in Second Samuel 23, referred to as mighty men, they were all-outs. They were all-outs. Look again with me at verse 13 of Second Samuel 23. It tells us, three of the 30 chief men went down at harvest time and came to David. Notice we're at, at the cave of Adullam. Now, if you go to 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 and 2, you find these words there. there. David therefore departed from there and escaped, notice where, to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there 
to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there was about 400 men. Now, in 2 Samuel 23, we find a reference to three mighty men who jeopardized their life in fulfilling a wish that David had, a longing that he had for water from the well of Bethlehem. Here in 1 Samuel 22, they were among the 400 who initially came to David after he had been anointed king and Saul, under the oppression of a demonic spirit, sought to take David out, sought to exterminate, to terminate his life. And so David was on the run from the madman Saul. And he ran to this cave of Adullam. Then these 400 men who really were unqualified, they had issues. And we read of their issues here. They were men that were in distress, they were in debt, and they were discontented. These were not what you would call qualified men. They were men with issues, and yet David, when they came to him, he received them, and he offered to become their captain. Now, what is important in that is a truth that leaders need to hear and recognize. Second mile service will inspire second mile sacrifice. Second mile service will inspire second mile sacrifice. Again, the mighty men mentioned in 2 Samuel 23 were part of 400 men that were messed up that are mentioned in 1 Samuel 22. They had issues. They had 3D issues. Distress. Debt discontented. Yet David received them and then he invested into them. And under David's leadership, these mess ups were transformed into mighty men. Mm. It reminds me of Jesus that chose 12 men who didn't have the qualifications to change the world initially. In fact, they had issues too. They had problems too. They had problems in their temperament. They had problems in lacking the ability to really work together as a team. But Jesus called them to himself. And here's what Jesus says. He who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Just like David, he received these group, uh, this group of mess-ups. And he didn't reject them. He didn't cast them out. But he took them under his wing. And he invested in them. Jesus did the same thing with the twelve ragtag disciples who had issues. Jesus invested into them for three and a half years and they became world changers in spite of their issues. Why? I want you to get this. Because the God who blesses is greater than all our mess-ups. The God who blesses is greater than all our messes. I don't care what your mess is. You can come to Jesus. You don't have to clean up your act to come to Jesus. He says, come with your dirt. Come with your filth. Come with your baggage. Come with your issues. Just let me touch you because when I touch you, I will transform you. It doesn't matter what your mess is. I can bring out a message. 
And Jesus said this in Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. You wonder why I love Him. You wonder why I serve Him. It's because when I came to Him, I came to Him without the right qualifications. I didn't have the right credentials. I didn't have the right goods. But nonetheless, I came to Him. And He said, if you're willing to come, I'm willing to receive you and I can change you and I'll invest in you and I'll make you what you thought you couldn't become because my grace does much more abound. Now look what the Bible says again there in 2 Samuel 23 verses 15 through 16. It tells us, and David said with longing, oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem. Which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines. Drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate. And took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out before the Lord. Watch this. David's wish became their command. David's wish became their command. These mighty men were not only concerned with David's words, but also with his wishes. If David had commanded them to go and get him a drink of water, they would have done it. But their loyalty went beyond commands. Their loyalty did not need a command. One of the problems with Christianity is that we applaud talent over devotion and ability over affection. We put talent on the platform and relegate, per, we relegate devotion to the pew. This is not the way of God. God exalts passion over potential. Let me say it again. God exalts passion over potential. Why? Because Passion leads to traction that will result in action. Passion leads to traction that will result in action. You find me somebody who's fired up. They may not have everything together, but if they have a passion, I'll take them because I know they'll go through barriers. They'll break through walls and they might be messy in the process, but they'll get the job done because they have a passion. They're not concerned about looking pretty. They're not concerned about merely performing. It's not performance to them. It's about doing what needs to get done. God chooses ordinary people to perform extraordinary things. God chooses people who are willing to go through the process in order to partner with Him in His purposes. God chooses people who are willing to go through the process in order to partner with Him for His purposes. There was a little boy and his mama that were spending the weekend with the grandparents as normal before lying down. The little boy knelt down beside his bed and 
said his prayers. He prayed, Dear God, help so and so, and please do this, and so on. But as he neared the end of his prayer, he kept getting louder and louder until he was almost hollering as he finished with this part of his prayer. And God, please give me a new bike for my birthday. Amen. His mama said, Jimmy, you don't have to be hollering. God is not hard of hearing. The little boy said, yeah, I know, but grandma is. <laughs> Now, I doubt that when David expressed his longing for a drink from the well of Bethlehem, that he was hollering. He was simply expressing a wish. He wasn't hinting around, but these three mighty men heard him and took action. They broke through the host of Philistines. They drew water from the well. And then they broke through uh, back again to the Philistines. And they delivered the water to David. And as these men entered the stronghold there at the cave of Adullam with this water, I can just imagine the look on David's face. He's astonished. He's awestruck. He's possibly even ashamed. I put these guys in the line of fire. I caused them to jeopardize their life. But after he processed, I'm sure, his emotions, there was also an appreciation. These guys are truly devoted to me. They're truly committed to me. Listen to me, church. God is looking for those who do not need to be commanded to serve Him. Their service is based upon devotion, not duty. They serve God just like these men serve David, not out of obligation, but out of appreciation. When I came to you with my issues, you didn't reject me. You didn't throw me out of the cave. You didn't leave me out to dry, but you received me, David. You invested in me. This is why I ought to serve Jesus with passion with extreme devotion not because of obligation but because of appreciation I know in what pit he found me in I know in what mess I was in I know the hang ups the hurts the habits that held me bound that he delivered me from that is why I serve him not because I'm obligated to do it but because I'm grateful for what he's done in my life. And what did David do with the water that they brought to him? It tells us he poured it out. The ESV study Bible footnote says regarding he poured it out to the Lord. This may at first seem wasteful of David and ungrateful, but it is a gesture showing great value. He likens the water to the blood of his men. 
And for David to drink the water obtained at the risk of their lives would have been to take their blood lightly. But to pour it out before the Lord was a way of saying that he was not worthy of it. And he was offering it to the Lord instead. The footnote continues. Such drink offerings were often poured out before the Lord. Dr. Warren Wearsby points out, by pouring the water out as a drink offering to the Lord, David turned the cave into a temple. The drink offering was an act of dedication that symbolized a person's life poured out in the service of the Lord. The three men had given themselves as a sacrifice to the Lord to serve David. So David added his offering. He added his offering to theirs to show them that he was one with them in their devotion to Jehovah. It continues, all leaders need to follow David's example and let their followers know how much they appreciate them and the sacrifices they make. Small things make a big difference. Ozzy, I saw you. There's a spill over here. You got towels. My wife, when she came to open my water, she could have slipped. But she took care of the mess. Even while I'm preaching right now, we have volunteers serving our children, teaching them the Word of God. Investing into them. Even as I'm preaching, I have a keyboardist that is stirring me up as she's playing the keys. It stirs me up just like Elisha when he called for the minstrel to play. He was able to prophesy under the anointing. Even while I'm preaching, you're seeing the words on the screen because we have people behind the scenes that week in and week out are willing to work on the computer. We have people that are working on the sound so that you can hear me clearly. You see, even as you come into this house, we have people that have said, I'll be a greeter. I'll receive people with a joyful spirit because I want them to come into this house and know this is a place that is safe. This is a place where the joy of the Lord reigns. We have ushers that help out in receiving. It may seem like a small thing, but without this team, we wouldn't be able to do big things. Every act of kindness, every act of service, it matters. It creates the atmosphere for God to do a big thing. Small things can make a big difference. And then there's Jesus. Jesus' drink offering. In a psalm that is considered one of the messianic psalms, a, a psalm that is, in, is prophetically speaking of the coming of the Messiah and what he would achieve. Psalm 22. We find these words in Psalm 22:14. I am poured out like water. 
and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. It's, it's prophesying what he would undergo on the cross. He would be poured out like water. All his strength, all his life would be expended out the cross. He poured out his life as a drink offering in his service to fulfilling the mission of redeeming humanity through his sacrifice. And Isaiah says this in Isaiah 53, 12, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus himself became a drink offering. He poured out every last ounce of his life for the service of redeeming you and I. I stand here today redeemed because on the cross he underwent the penalty. He experienced the punishment for my sin so that I could be reconciled to God. And in spite of my mess-ups, in spite of my sin and wickedness, I can stand now and say, I have no condemnation. I am the righteousness of God. I am a child of God. I have the hope of eternal life because He became a drink offering for me. And it's no wonder, as we read the New Testament, that ragtag group of disciples were willing to die for Him. Because they knew what He gave up to redeem them. And then there's another follower of Jesus who would have a personal revelation of Jesus be knocked off his high horse in Acts chapter 9 and land on his knees, get a vision of Jesus and say, what would you have me to do, Lord? The Apostle Paul. And then he would write in Philippians 2.17, Yes. And if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. You know, Paul, I encourage you after church today, read 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Read through the chapter. And as you start getting to the mid part and the ending part of that chapter, you will hear him testify. I was shipwrecked. I was whipped. I was beaten with rods. He, I was betrayed by those that I counted as brothers. I was stoned practically to death. But he would not deny his faith in Jesus Christ. What caused him to be willing to go to that point of, rep, of demonstrating such extreme devotion because he had a revelation that he who knew 
no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You see, we pour out our lives to God and we ought to, not because of obligation, but because of the revelation. We don't have no standing to be part of His team, but yet He gave it all so that we could become part of His team. And then he writes, coming to the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4, 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. Call me old school if you want. i got to tell you, I'm not into celebrity Christianity. It sickens me. It maddens me. I'm tired of us pimping the gospel. Wanting this, wanting that in order to achieve an engagement. Let me tell you something. Here's my rule. You want me to come and, they, and preach? How much do you charge? I just tell them, look... I'm going to give you my best. You do the best you can. What kind of water do you want? I'm like, you got a hose? Give me Costco water. But then I discover why. You got Christian celebrities. Um, I won't drink anything except you give me this kind. And you got to give me these kind. These M&Ms and these I'm like, In Spanish, there's a saying, Get out of here. These guys, they make me blush. And they remind me what it's about. It's not about how high up the ladder I can arrive to with the gift I have. It's how low can I go so that he will be exalted. He will be recognized for who he is. He is the one who's worthy and he alone. Here's what we need to know. Doing small things. Because of our love and devotion for the Lord turns them into big things. Whatever you do for the Lord, I want you to know something. He sees it. He's recording it. He's registering it. Now watch this. There's something interesting that is found. If you read on in 2 Samuel 23, 18 and 19. And it's, 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 it's under Philippians 2.17 on the slide. Go ahead and put it up. It's, yeah, that's a, that's a misprint there under. It's actually 2 Samuel 23, 18-9. That's okay. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. It says, Now Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zariah, was chief of another three. He lifted his spear against 300 men, killed them, and won a name among these three. He Was he not the most honored of three? Therefore, he became their captain. But watch this. However, he did not attain to the first three. However, he did not attain to the first three. What first three? 
the ones you read about before verses 13 through 17, beginning with verse 8 down to verse 12 of 2 Samuel 23. You see what it's saying here? That these three men that risked their lives to get David water from the well of Bethlehem, they weren't the best. They did not attain to the first three. What first three? Adino, Eleazar, and Shammah. Why would God have put this into the Bible if it wasn't important? You know what? I'm, I'm glad that they weren't the top three. I'm glad that they weren't the best. I'm glad that they had others that they had to look up to. I'm glad that they were able to still be listed as mighty men and not be the best. Because here's my point. I believe that when you're doing your best, that's all God expects. They were doing their best, and that's all that David expected from them. I want to tell you something. Maybe this is speaking to you today, and maybe it's not, but it's definitely speaking to me. God has never called us to be the best, but He has called us to do our best. He has never called us to give the best, but to give our best. God has called us not to be the best, but to do our best. He's not expecting you to be the best. He's just asking you, give me your best. And with that, I will be satisfied. Get a hold of that. God does not call you. He's never called you to be the best. He's just calling you to give your best. God has never called me to be the best preacher of the world. I'm not. I know that. You don't have to tell me, but I know that what he expects of me is to do my best. You may feel like I don't sing like so and so. I don't sound as as glorious as him. But God is saying to you, praise me with your voice. Sing to me with your voice. I'm not calling you to be the best. I'm calling you to give me the your best. I want you to, whatever God's called you to do, whether it's at your workplace, whether it's at your home, well, I, God's not calling you to be the best. He's calling you to simply give your best. And when you give him your best, he receives it as a drink offering. And it is acceptable unto him. It is your spiritual act of service. When you give him your best, he is registering it. What for? Not to keep tabs on you. He's recording it because he is going to reward you for giving him your best. God is faithful to record what we do, not for the purpose of putting us down, but to reward us for our faithfulness unto Him. And look what the Bible says in Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24. It says in the Passion Translation, Put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you are doing it for the Lord Himself and not merely for others. Why? For we know that we will receive a reward, an inheritance from the Lord as we serve the Lord Yahweh. 
the anointed one. Listen, I'm not doing this so that I can win the best preacher award. I'm doing this so that when I get up there, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You were faithful even unto death. Now I've got a crown of life to give you. And as we noted on Wednesday, when that crown is placed on my head, it's not going to be there long. I'm going to bow before him. I'm going to place it before him and say, the only reason why I poured my life as a drink offering for you is because you poured out your life to redeem me from my mess ups, from my sin, from my wickedness. You alone are worthy. You alone deserve the praise. Yes. The Archbishop of Paris told the following true story. One night many years ago, three young men set out to sample all the sinful delights of Paris for hours. They consumed themselves in every possible pleasure, holding back nothing, indulging their wildest fantasies. When morning came, they found themselves lounging on the steps of a great cathedral, recounting their exploits. Suddenly, a strange idea hit one of them. Why not go inside and confess to the pastor all that they had done? They meant it as a blasphemous joke, the ultimate insult after a night spent in sin. It would be their crowning glory. So fortified with the laughter of his friends, one young man volunteered to go see the minister. He began to confess his sins loudly, one by one, in long, lurid detail. As he did, his friends outside began to laugh. The pastor realized what was happening, interrupted the man and said, Young man, I have heard enough. You needn't confess anything else. If you would like to be forgiven of all your sins, you only need to do one thing. Outside this cathedral is a big cross. Simply go there, kneel down, look at the cross and say these words, Lord Jesus, I know all you have done for me and I don't give up. Saying nothing, the young man walked outside and knelt before the cross, looked up at the dying Christ, and said these words, Lord Jesus, I know all that I have done or that you have done for me, and I ask you to forgive me my sins. The Archbishop of Paris ended with these words. I know this is a true story because I was that young man. Church, it all comes down to this. If you ever get a glimpse of the greatness of God and all that Jesus did for you, you'll never play church again. And you'll give God 
your best the rest of your life. The question is not how you come to Jesus, but rather, are you willing to be changed by Jesus? Because He says to us, whosoever will can come. He says to us, He who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. And with that offer, He makes the promise to touch and transform our lives. For those who have been changed or are being changed by Jesus, my question to you is, are you living a heroic life demonstrated by devotion? Are you willing to go all out for Jesus? Jesus deserves your all. You know why He deserves it? Because He gave His all for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank You that You so loved the world. You were willing to bankrupt heaven to redeem us. To reconcile us to Yourself. You deserve, you're worthy of my life surrendered to you. You surrendered to the will of the Father, knowing full well it would cost you everything. You gave your life as a drink offering, pouring out every ounce of it. To redeem us, to rescue us, to deliver us, so that we could be forgiven in spite of our messes. We could be delivered from any bondage to any sin. Yeah. You deserve my life being poured out to you as a drink offering in my service unto you. I'm going to make an altar call right now. First of all, if you don't have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to surrender your life to the one who gave his all to free you, to deliver you, to restore you in spite of the messes we've made with our lives, He says, come. I won't throw you out. I'll touch you and transform you. I'll receive you unto Myself. And I'll reconcile you to God and give you the hope of eternal life. And ask prayer warriors, would you make your way up and stand at this altar to receive and to pray with? You're here today and say, you know what? I need to be made right with God. I need to surrender my life to Him. I realize I need to come to Him. 
I need Him to change me. That He'll want you to make your way forward right now. There are prayer warriors, prayer people ready to receive you and lead you into that commitment. I dare you to go all out. I'm telling you. When you go all out for Him, it's worth it. It is worth it, yeah. It is worth it. It is worth it. You've got nothing to lose, my friend, but everything to truly gain coming to Him. You're there. You're out there right now. And you know, I need to get right with God. I don't have the assurance of eternal life. You come. This is not a place where you're going to be shamed or blamed. This is a place where you're going to be received and you're going to be prayed with. And we believe that as we call on the Lord with you, God is going to touch you. And he's going to do what only he can do. That's it. Come if you want that. Yes. This is your opportunity. Come. 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 Yes, Lord. And then there's others of you that would say, Pastor Angel, I need to go all out. I've been holding back in my devotion to the Lord, but I realize I need to go all out. Not out of obligation, but out of appreciation for the one who's gone all out for me. The one who gave his all for me. The one who continues to pray for me at the right hand of God as my faithful high priest. I need to go all out in my service to him. I need to give him my all and my service to him. I'm stepping my game up for the kingdom. You come right now. Let us pray with you. You come to give yourself as a drink offering just like Paul. I'm going to pour out my life. As he poured out his for me. Yes. Because I'm grateful. He's been so merciful to me. He's been so faithful to me. I want to give him my all. You come as well, child of God. You come and submit yourself to serving him all out. All out. Yes. All out. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Some of you need your passion restored. Come to this altar right now. It's at the altar where the fire is burning. It's at the altar where the fire falls. Come on. You know that you've lost your edge in your walk with the Lord. Come on up here. This is your opportunity to be ignited by the fire of His presence today. You know today that in your heart there's an ache to be close to Him as you were before. Get up here. I'm telling you, He can restore that passion for you. Come on, get up here. This is your moment. This is your moment. This is your moment. The Holy Spirit is at work. I have felt Him throughout. And I know He's at work right now. Come, come as the waters are stirred. Come as the fire is falling. Come and be ignited in His presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.